Amen, amen. Hey, good morning, Rev City. How are we doing today? Come on, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord besides me? Hey, do me a favor. Find someone next to you and just tell them that you are glad that they are here. While you're doing that, I want to say welcome to all of those who are joining us online. Thank you for making time to worship Jesus with us. And come on, we're going to grow in our faith together today. Hey, if you have your Bible with you today, turn or click to Deuteronomy chapter 32. That's where we'll start. We'll also then jump over to Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4. And it's going to be a really special day. I'm continuing in our series, Life Goals. We're also taking a moment today to just celebrate and appreciate some of the ways that God was faithful to us individually and corporately as we're coming out of 2021 and starting 2022. And every year, as we turn the page on the calendar, I seek the Lord for some sort of a series or a revelation or scriptures or messages that I can bring to us as a church family that will in some way, somehow, inspire encourage or convict you to draw nearer to Jesus Christ, to go deeper in your relationship with him, to in some way, somehow, to begin to prioritize and pursue more of Jesus for your life. Thus, the name of the series this year is Life Goals. There's a lot of things that the world would say you should establish. Some of them are good things as goals for your life for this next year. But I'm encouraging us that all those things that you could define as, re as resolutions or goals for your life, your health, your fitness, your marriage, your family, that there's one goal that really should supersede all of those things. And that is a closer personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That if you discover that, if you press into him, if you prioritize him, all those other things will begin to fall into place because of the grace that you begin to live in and experience through that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To begin to pursue and to begin to prioritize. And I want to thank Pastor Eddie for speaking last week as, and did such an amazing job. It was an awesome message. As, yeah, come on. As we were away on our, our anniversary, I whisked my bride away for our 17th anniversary. We had a wonderful time, but it's good to be back with you. Uh, today, bringing the word of God and, and again, encouraging us to pursue and prioritize God, to get our priorities. One of the things that we've asked throughout this series has been this, this question, does what matters most to God matter most to me? And is the way that I'm living my life, does it bear that out? Because this is true, what, what we actually do matters more than what we say we believe. And God doesn't really reward good intentions. He rewards faithfulness and obedience. And so many people enter into a new year with good intentions to live differently or do better. And according to studies, 92% of New Year's resolutions are forsaken or abandoned by the time February rolls around. And so I've encouraged us, maybe we ought to focus more on who God's calling us to become instead of the do goals that the world says we ought to do. That when we focus more on who, that, that maybe good is some things we could do different or do better, but maybe better is who can we become in Christ. And maybe best is who can we connect to, to garner and gain our grace, our strength, our encouragement, our life, the faith that we need to begin, to, to begin or continue to move forward towards the purposes that God has for us. Amen? Hey, let's turn to Deuteronomy 32. And in Deuteronomy 32... For 44 verses, Moses has been encouraging the people of God with what I have hopefully been encouraging us with through this series. Remembering God, returning to God, putting our faith in God, putting our trust and our hope in God, abandoning false gods and things that the world says that we ought to, to worship or, or things that we have to do or things that we have to have to be viewed as a success in the eyes of the world. For 44 verses, that's what Moses has been encouraging the people of God with. And we pick it up in verse 45. And it says this, when Moses finished reciting all of these words to Israel, he said to them, take to heart the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you, they are your life. And by them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. He says, Heed these words that I'm speaking to you, that I'm solemnly declaring to you, reminding you to return to God, put your faith and put your trust in him and to raise up your children to not just believe in God, but to know him and to serve him. He says, don't let these words become idle words to you. And as I look around as a pastor and just as a person, 
I see that that's what's happening in, in our culture and even in the church and the body of Christ, that the word of God is being viewed. It's becoming idol in people's lives. That we're drifting from the, the word of God, the command of God, the laws of God, the promises of God, the invitations of God. That more and more and more in our culture, there's, a, there's a, a, an attempt to remove, there's an attempt to extract the word of God from our culture in the schools and in the workplaces and in, in homes and in communities. That, that, that in places where God was once honored, we're turning from him. We need to return to God, to remember him, to turn back to him, to honor him, to live according to his word and his ways. You know, Isaiah chapter five tells us this. It says that there's a day coming where people will call good things evil and evil things good. And I don't know about you, but I believe as I read the headlines that we're living in those days. We're living in those days. And just one example, I was reading the news this, this last week and I came across a story, a 26-year-old man. And I know this is a little, this is a little graphic, but you need to hear this and we need to wake, we need to wake up. The church needs to wake up. And I was reading this article and a 26-year-old man had pled guilty to molesting young girls. And between the time that he pled guilty and was going to be sentenced, he began to identify as a teenage girl and thus was allowed to serve his sentence in a juvenile facility with other young girls. I'm just telling you, that's calling good evil and evil good. And the more woke we become, the more blind we become. And we need to wake up to the things of God and return to the things of God and to begin to once again build our hearts and our homes and our futures on the very word of God. It's the only thing we sing that song this morning that is a firm foundation that will not shake. And even when the shaking comes, it will not fall. It will stand. You can build your heart. You can build your home. You can build your marriage on Jesus Christ and on his word. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else is sinking sand. So listen, that's a graphic story, and here's what I believe that, that the church needs to awaken to. We need to be moved with compassion. Uh, in fact, I'll share three C's with you that maybe will help you remember the life that I really believe we need to live. We need to be moved with compassion. That Jesus was motivated by compassion all throughout the New Testament before he would heal or do a miracle. Oftentimes it would say, moved with compassion, Jesus healed their sick. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched the lame or the blind. And we need to be motivated by compassion. We need to understand that people who are far from God, people who are living in darkened minds, people who have been affected by generational sins and iniquities, people who have been raised in a culture that has diminished the role of God in their home or in their life, that what else should we expect but for them to live out darkness? We gotta have compassion in our heart. But then in the same line of thinking, we, while we're moved with compassion, we need to once again have conviction. Conviction that Jesus is who he says he is, the way, the truth, the life. He's the path out of bondage and addiction. He's the path out of darkness into light. And we need to then have the third C, which is the courage to once again begin to speak up and to once again begin to share and to once again begin to tell our personal testimony about how we once were lost and we once were confused and we once were addicted and we once once were in darkness. But God loved us just where we were, but he loved me too much to leave me where I was. He sent Jesus and made a way that I could come home to a relationship with God that transcends religion. He sent Jesus to pay the price for all the sin that I had accumulated, my own pride, sin, and rebellion. We gotta be moved with compassion, but we gotta once again have conviction to point people to Jesus and to have the courage to share and to say and to tell and to go and to serve and to give and to love and to keep doing it again and as many times as it takes until finally the spark of faith that's birthed by the love of Christ because it's gonna be the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the same thing that led you and I to an experience of salvation with Jesus Christ. And Moses is saying, don't let these words be idle words don't, don't let them fall by the wayside. He's saying, meditate on the word, teach it to your kids, live it out. And what does he say? He says, by, th by them, these words, the word of God, the promises of God, you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. 
Because this was a people who had once been in captivity and bondage to, to Pharaoh and, and, and in slavery in Egypt. And they had been set free by God's mighty hand through the work of Moses, who was a type and shadow of Christ. And now they're on a journey towards the future that God has for them. And you need to hear me today, regardless of where you've been, I don't care how dark the bondage, I don't care how deep the sin, I don't care how much regret, sin, shame, and condemnation, there's a future and a promised land for you today. Your life, your ministry, your marriage, your children, your family. There's not one situation or circumstance that you could tell me that you are up against today that would cause me to believe differently. Because things that seem impossible with man are possible with God. But we got to turn back to him. And it's why I'm calling us. Hopefully every series and every message is doing this, but every time we turn the calendar to a new year with, with a special urgency, I'm calling you to put your faith and trust in a new way or a fresh way in the Lord Jesus Christ. To prioritize him. That's what matters most to you. To God, rather. Matter most to you. All right, turn the page. Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three, and here's what we find is that that same people who have been rescued out of bondage, they're on their way to the promised land, and they come against an obstacle, an interruption, an interference, something standing in the way of what God has promised them and where God is leading them. And here's the thing I wanna encourage you with. It really is encouraging ultimately is that it's really not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. You're going to experience the same thing. An interruption, an interference, an inconvenience of something unexpected or unforeseen, something that you thought God was going to already have done, something that you thought God was delivering you to, a promised land, an opportunity, a promise, or a sense of purpose, and the enemy is always going to come. I say it all the time. It bears repeating in this context anywhere in your life, and you could be encouraged by this, where there's promise, power, or potential, your marriage, your children, your sense of purpose and identity, anywhere where there's power, purpose, or potential, you better just go ahead and expect opposition. Because while God has established some things and promised some things, there's an enemy that knows that if he can get you doubting or fearful or anxious, that he could keep you from walking forward into all that God has to offer. Just because God promised it, just because God invites you to it, doesn't mean that we'll all experience it. We gotta do what Moses said. We gotta begin to live it out. We can't allow the word of God to become idle. We gotta start being not just hearers or believers, but doers and, liver, and living out the word of God the call of God, the commands of God. And so Joshua chapter three, those people who have been delivered from a place of bondage are now preparing to cross over and they come against the river Jordan that is separating them from the place and the promise that God has invited them to. And again, I know I'm repeating it, but someone needs to hear this. This message is for you. There's a future, there's a promise, there's a good place, there's a good land, there's a new chapter. The previous chapter, the place you're in today, where you're standing today might look dark, it might seem insurmountable, it might seem impassable, but I'm telling you today, there's a promised land for you, you need to receive it today. God has a hope and a plan and a future and it's good for you, your marriage, your family. For this church, for this city, even for our nation, we gotta keep our faith up, keep our hope up and keep moving forward. But you're gonna expect, you gotta expect interruptions, inconveniences. You gotta expect for there to be things that are gonna try to keep you from crossing over. That's where we pick up the story. Verse two, chapter three, the book of Joshua. And it says this, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Somebody say, move out and follow God. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. I don't know about you, but I think we're, going, we're up against some things. We're going through some things. I mean, all the division and the political chaos and the pandemic and everything else. We're going through some things. Maybe we've never been there before. But I believe that the invitation of God remains true to you and I the same way that it is in this context to the people of God. If we'll look, if we'll look to God, if we'll watch for what he's doing, what he's speaking, where he's moving, and we'll get up from our current position and our current status and we'll begin to be willing to step out in faith and begin to follow him, he will lead us through even some things things that we've never seen or been through before. Somebody say amen. amen. Reading on verse 14, it says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The Ark of the Covenant, this ornate piece of furniture that the Lord had given specific detailed instructions on how to construct that represented it carried the presence of God. 
And it says that these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead and, and catch this, verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Really, God? You're gonna call us to go across and pursue your promises in the season where the river is at its highest? There's another season of the year where the river is just a trickle, but in this season, it's a raging, roaring river. That's the time that you're gonna call us to go across? And here's the thing that we can glean from it, and it's inevitably true, is that, that you better believe that God is willing to put you in a situation or a circumstance that requires you to be desperately dependent upon him. That you can't get the glory for yourself. It's gonna require God to show up in your life. Come on, anyone ever tried to raise teenagers? God will put you in a situation that requires you to desperately depend upon him. Come on, if you're married, you know God will put you in a situation that requires you to desperately depend upon him. And the river was at flood stage, yet, read on, good news is coming. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. The river was raging, the river was roaring, and yet the, the men of God who were carrying the presence of God, come on, it's a type and a shadow, a picture of you and I. We are now filled with the Holy Spirit of God, salt and light in the earth today. Those people began to step out in faith. The river was still roaring, it was still raging, and they took a step of faith and said, we know God's called us, we know God's with us, we know where he's taken us, we're moving ahead. In the natural, it doesn't look like this is wise. In the natural, it doesn't look like this is smart, but we're stepping out in faith because we we know that God is with us and for us. And here's the thing, we have the context of the miracle. We're reading the story knowing most of us who have been in church for a minute what's about to happen. They didn't have that. All they had, all they could see was a river that was raging. And I'm telling you, you need to hear this today that if all you can see is the river that is raging, you need to keep walking in faith because God's about to show up in your life in the same way that he's about to show up here. And it says, as soon as their feet touch the water's edge, as soon as they stepped out, what's God calling you to step out into that right now seems insurmountable, impossible, or undoable? What's he calling you to? What phone call is he calling you to make? What class or, or seminar or whatever is he calling you to go back and begin to prepare for something that he's called you to? What ministry has he called you to start? What place of service has he called you to step into? What's he calling you to do that's going to require you to take a step of faith? Some big things, but most times just small things that maybe you've put up on the shelf or maybe you've thought it's too far gone or it's too late for the relationship to be restored or for you to discover that sense of identity or purpose or significance that you thought you were gonna have in the body of Christ or in your business field or in wherever it is that God has placed you, what's he calling you to once again take a step of faith? And it says, as soon as they took the step of faith, the water upstream began to stop. What that means is that it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen instantaneously. It meant that their step of faith began to activate something that God began to do, and it took a minute because the river was still roaring and raging, but eventually, let's read on and watch what happened. It said the priests, verse 17, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, stopped in the middle, somebody say in the middle, of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. What in one moment looked like a raging, roaring river and another moment was completely dry, firm ground upon which the men of God and the families and the people and the children could cross safely. And here's what I wanna encourage you today. You might be up against something today that looks one way and it seems impossible, insurmountable, and impassable. If you will keep trusting, if you will keep praying, if you will keep worshiping, if you will keep serving, if you will keep giving, if you will be faithful to what God calls you to do, be obedient to the word of the Lord. I'm telling you that the way it looks as 2022 starts, there'll be a moment in this year where you'll look back and it'll look completely different. The waters will recede and the thing that you thought was going to take you out, God will be faithful to show you to the other side on dry land. Who am I preaching to this morning? You're up against something, but God's reminding you. He's telling you, don't, don't let that become exaggerated in your mind. I've seen you through some things before, and I'll see you through again. You just keep serving me. You just keep trusting me. You just keep calling upon me. You just keep following my presence wherever I go. If you'll just go there, you just watch how I see you through. 
And it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the whole nation, just a few men, just a few people stepped in faithfulness and obedience and courage into the roaring river. And it says that the whole nation passed through. And maybe I'm speaking to a man of God today who God is calling you in this season to be the spiritual leader of your marriage or your family in a fresh or a new or a more committed way. And that step of obedience that you take, not waiting or delegating or abdicating, that role of spiritual authority and responsibility is going to make the way for your family and who knows who else to come to the place of God's promise in their life. Just a few of them stepped in, but the whole of them made it across on dry land, on dry land. And it says, when the nation had finished, the Lord said to Joshua, this is God's idea, in other words, it's not Joshua's creative idea. God, this is God's idea. And watch what he says. He says, Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle. Somebody say it again, the middle. I'm going somewhere with that. Of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Reading on verse four of chapter four, it says, so Joshua called together the 12 men that he had chosen one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle, say the middle, of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. And each of you must pick up one stone, just one stone, and carry out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial, a monument, an altar to God. And in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them they remind us. They remind us, son. Daughter, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant, when God began to lead us, when we began to follow God and obey him. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. He says, you'll be able to tell your children in the moment where I thought that the addiction was going to take me out, in the moment that I thought that the depression had me at the end of it all, in the moment that we thought your mom and I weren't going to make it through, in the moment that we thought that the pile of debt was insurmountable, that there was no way out, that we couldn't find our way forward, in the moment that we began to follow the presence of God and obey and commit ourselves in a new or a fresh way to serve him and follow him, these stones represent present the very things, the very place that the enemy intended to entrap us and trip us up and bury us alive in that place. And we took the stones from that moment in that place. And now they stand as a testimony of the power of God, the miracle working power of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, and the future that we now have and you have because God preserved us and saved us. And the enemy did his dead level best to take us out, but we turned to God and now we're still standing. He said, that's what those stones will represent. They built a memorial from the middle, from the middle, not from the edge, from the middle. You know what that represents? That's the deepest, darkest place. I mean, that's the place where you really don't know if you're going to make it to the other side. From the middle, from the middle, the, the, the furthest place. I mean, the place where you, you just, you, God, we don't know if we're going to make it. And God says, that's the very place from which I'm going to cause you and call you to build a monument of my saving grace, my power to save because of my love for you. I don't know what that place is for you. I don't know, I mean, what's rock bottom for you? I don't know what the middle is for you. We've been through a lot the last couple of years. There's probably a place that all of us could point to in your marriage, in your mind, in your family, your finances. Where's that place for you? And God's calling you to do the very same thing Turn to him, follow him, trust in him, watch him show up on your behalf, watch him lead you through and see you through to the other side. And he's saying right in that very place, that's the very place, the place that the enemy said you would never make it. That's the very place that I'm gonna build something that will remind you and will speak and testify to future generations that I am who I said that I was and I'm gonna lead you and follow you, that I, I'm not a man that I should lie and I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever and I'm gonna see you through. It doesn't mean you're not gonna go through some things. We don't do anyone any favors telling them that you won't go through some things. When you begin to give your life to Christ, Jesus said just the opposite. He said, you're gonna have troubles and trials
trials in this world. You're going to go through some stuff. But he also made this promise in the very next passage. He said, but you be of good cheer because I overcame the world. I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to see you through when you go through the river that's raging, when you go through the fire, when you go through the desert. I'm going to see you through. They built the monument from the middle. And God is still in the business of taking the very boulders and stones that the enemy intended to be the place of your burial, the place where it ended. And God says, I'll build a monument. God's faithfulness in your life. Reading on verse eight, chapter four, it says, so the men did as Joshua commanded them. And they took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe. Listen, it was God's idea, but we have a part to play. It says, the men did as God commanded you. What's he asking you to do today? What's he calling you to do differently in this new year? What's he calling you to think differently about in this new year? What's he calling you? Where's the place where you got off track and he's calling you back to that place? Not to rub your nose in it, but to say, hey, just come back to me right here. Let's get going again. They, they did as, as Joshua, by the word of the Lord, had commanded them. And they took the stones from the middle, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. Be careful not to add your own perspective into it or whatever. Whatever the Lord tells you, just try to do it just like he told you to do it. It says they carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there, where, where, they, had, where they were camping for the night. But catch this, verse 9, Joshua also set up a pile of stones, a memorial, a monument in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. They built two monuments. They took a pile of stones with them forward towards the future, and they also built a monument in the very place of the deepest, darkest moment of their journey. And here's what we can glean from it is that one of the things that we need to be, begin to be able to discern and be able to recognize and then be willing to live out is what do I need to leave behind? And what do I need to take with me? They built two monuments. And one they built in the place where the waters would once again begin to rise and the monument would be covered up by the waters. And there's something prophetic about that, about the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, that there's some things that he wants to cover and he wants to wash and he wants you to no longer put your eyes on because it once was the thing that you were stumbling over and it once was the thing that was hindering you and holding you back from loving God and knowing God and serving people and fulfilling the call and the purpose of God for your life. And he says, you better learn how to, to understand and discern and be willing to recognize what you need to leave behind in your past and what you need to take with you, the power of your testimony. Romans 12, or Revelation 12, rather, verse 11, says this, they overcame him, talking about the enemy, by what, remember the two things, by the blood of the lamb and by what? The word of their testimony. Can you believe, isn't it kind of almost hard to believe how much power that gives to the power of the word of your testimony? We're gonna overcome Satan, really, by the blood of the lamb? I get that. But also by the word of our testimony. The, the, the Jesus story, the God story, the story of rescue and preservation, the thing that he did for you or the thing that he kept from happening to you that you begin to take forward on the journey towards the promises of God that once again, that next generation is gonna say, what's that about? And you'll be able to say, son, daughter, that's where God saved us. That's the place where we turn to God and put our faith in God and he saw us through some things that seemed impossible. We didn't think we were gonna make it to the other side. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes all things, somebody say all things, to work together for good, for good. Really, all things, God, really? That's a good promise. Who's it applied to? Keep reading. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You mean all things can work together? I mean, the unexpected, the unforeseen, the painful moment, all those things can work together, yes, if you'll continue to love God and serve people and be called according to his purpose. And a couple years ago, I remember as news of, about the virus and people getting sick and this and that were just emerging, just emerging. And it was, we, we, we stood 
in church together for a couple of Sundays in a row and we read together Psalm 91 and we declared the protection and the promises of God over our health and over our family. We decided right then and there that however this thing went, we were gonna put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ above anyone or anything else. And we did that. And the other thing that I shared to you, something that the Lord spoke very clearly to me as I was praying and seeking the Lord, just anticipating what is this gonna look like? We've never been through something like this before. It's a way we've never been before. And, 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 and I can't take credit for much, but I did just say, Lord, will you speak to me? Will you help me? Will you help me to lead our church family so that we can, can, so that we can avoid the schemes of division and, and all the things that are coming? And, and, and the Lord spoke this to me and I shared it with us publicly. I said, the, the Lord spoke to me that if we would, would live this scripture out, love God and continue to be called according to his purpose, that he will take all things and work them together for good. And here's how he spoke it to me. I'll take opposition and I'll turn it into opportunity. I'll take opposition and I'll turn it into opportunity. And things began to kind of come unraveled there, you know, and our team did such a great job at, at rallying and, and we purchased the equipment and we finished installing the equipment and we moved the timelines back from six months to six days. We had to go online so that we could continue to, to keep called according to the purposes of God for our church to preach and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to this city and this region and, and, and our nation and to, to even the ends of the earth. We, the, we, it could have gone another way. We could have just folded up camp and we could have all gone home, but we said, no, we got to do whatever God calls us to do and we got to step out in faithfulness and obedience to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It cannot and it won't be stopped. Right. And, and here's where I want to draw your attention to something. It's in the seat back in front of you. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. I, I think I might have left mine in my office. Does someone have one of those? Hey, thanks, baby girl. Hey, give it up for my wife here. She's the best. <laughs> thanks, babe. I want to draw your attention to this. I want to encourage you to put your hands on it right now. It should be in the seat back right in front of you. If there's not one, maybe right in the chair in front of you. Look to the left or the right. And here's what we do every year is we take a moment as a church staff and we just sit and we begin to just recount all the ways that God was faithful. Come on, in the midst of some challenges. It's been a challenging couple years in leadership for me and we've been through some stuff. There's been some times where it was heavy. There's been some times where it was like, I, man, you talk about getting to practice what I preach, God putting us in situations that desperately required us to depend upon him. But in spite of it all and through it all, God was faithful. God was faithful and the gospel continued to advance. And because of you and because of you and because of you and you have a part in everything that this is and all these numbers, the numbers aren't important except for this, that every number represents a name. And every name represents a story. And every name represents a, every number represents a marriage. Every number and name represents a past that needed forgiveness. And every name and every number represents a, a future that's being discovered and a destiny that's being discovered in Christ. And look what God did. Come on, we got to celebrate those uh, five or six folks being baptized today. And there were four or five in the first service today. And last year, 68 people were water baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's worth celebrating. Let's never take that for granted that even one person, because how many know that even if one person came to Jesus and got baptized, that would be worth giving the Lord a big round of applause, amen? Over 500 people through Vacation Bible School in this room, joining us online, people that communicated back to us, gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ or rededicated their life to him. That's worth celebrating, amen? And through these last couple years with all the uncertainty and the big push, I'm so thankful for all of you who showed up and you were willing to help to set up and you were willing to come and you were willing to run a camera that you'd never thought you would do and you hadn't been trained much to do, but we just kind of began doing it on the fly we, for the last couple years and, and watch how God has used that, with it, that faithfulness and that obedience. Last year in 2021, over 54,000 people, unique individuals, worshiped with you and I through Church Online Platform. Come on, isn't that amazing? Right here from Lawrence, Kansas. And over 2 million people interacted with the things that we would share out and, and, and post out to encourage people where to share the gospel. Over $250,000 was given to missions and, and local outreach through Heart for the Kingdom. People right here in Lawrence, Kansas, come on, LFK, we're redeeming it. It's going to mean Lawrence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want you to... Would you take a moment? I'll come back and I'm gonna close this message and I think there's something God wants to really do to, to land it in our hearts. But take a moment and just watch. Watch this. This is just a little bit about what God's done. There's so many things that happen that aren't documented in this, but watch this. And would you, would you understand something as you're watching this? If in any way, shape, or form you prayed 
You served, you gave, you supported, you showed up, you invited, you have a part in this, what God did to show himself faithful this last year. Take a look and I'll be back to wrap up the word. We're continuing in this series that we're using to start the new year called New Year, New You. And listen, as I was preparing, seeking the Lord for what to speak to us, the Lord just showed me that so many people were so desperately ready to kick 2020 to the curb. And listen, I get it. There were some challenges, unforeseen, unexpected things. But by the way, in the middle of all those things, can't you look back and see how God has been faithful to you? Don't miss the opportunity to look back through those things and realize you're still standing. God has been faithful. Be sure that you remember it well. Don't allow the enemy to overemphasize the challenges or the struggles or the unforeseen things in your finances, in your business, in your family. Make sure that you build a monument on the faithfulness of God. He's seen you through. Somebody say amen. brothers and sisters who have by obedience made a decision to be baptized. Amen. Dedicating your children for you to raise them up in the way that they should go in the heritage of the Lord. We love the church. We love you guys. We look forward to getting to know each and every one of you to have a church family that you really can do life with. to work as worship. We hope and pray that this day today is impactful for you, that there's spiritual truths and reminders to bring some practical encouragements to you that will help to sharpen and shape your leadership and allow you to walk in principles of God's word that will allow you to be positioned for God to bless and prosper you in your work and or your business. is a testimony from Jesus and it comes from him. And here's the important part, it draws people to him. When we prophesy, we're believing that we're speaking what God has put on our hearts and it's drawing people to God, not to us. challenges of its own. The only thing that can guarantee and assure new results for you in this new year is a new or fresh or deeper, closer relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ.
know that you're the king of kings in heaven, but we ask that you be the king of kings right here on earth. We ask that you would be the king of Rev City. We ask you to be the king of Lawrence. We ask you to be the king of Kansas City. We ask you to be the king of Kansas. We ask that you would be the king of the United States of America. We ask you to be the king of the Western Hemisphere. We ask that you would be the king of the world. the number one resolution that you should have going into this new year is more of Jesus in your life, more of Jesus in your home, more of Jesus in your marriage, more of Jesus in your family. Come on, it's my prayer, more of Jesus in this church. Lawrence needs a move of Jesus in this city. Our nation needs more of Jesus. The only thing that can guarantee new results for you in this new year is a new or fresh or deeper relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, come on. Give the Lord a clap. Come on, we can even do better than that. That's just a little bit of what God did in and through you. You and I. Come on, we're better together. This isn't about one person or even a small group of people. This is about the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Did you know that when in times of cultural decay or moral, moral decay, God always builds something to preserve his people? You remember in the day of Noah? times of cultural decay and moral decay, people turning from God and rebelling against God. He built something. He built an ark to preserve his people. And in this day, he's building something. He's building something to preserve his people. He's building something that people can run into and be saved. And it's called the church of Jesus Christ. Who do people say that I am? There's a lot of opinions. Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And he said, on this rock, the rock wasn't Peter. Peter was a very flawed individual. The rock was the revelation of who Jesus was. And he said, on that rock, on who I am, the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the one who came to forgive sins and, and make whole and renew and restore and reconcile back to the heavenly father. He said, on that rock, I'm gonna what? Build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's, here's the thing, the church is not a building. I'm grateful for this building. It's great for us to be able to gather together and, and get into the word of God and worship God together, and disciple our kids and host events and do all the things that you saw that we did there. But the church is not a building. First Peter two verse five says this, that you, speaking to you and I, that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. Isn't it interesting that the people of Israel pulled those stones out of the middle of the Jordan Think about this, the people who were pulling those stones out of the middle of the Jordan to build that monument to God's faithfulness to them were the same people who just a few years before, a few months before were building bricks, making bricks in Egypt. And, and I thought about it and God spoke to me and it's a little deep, but I think it's profound and I think you'll, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying here. The same people that were building bricks were now hauling stones. And I started to think about the difference between bricks and stones and bricks are typically uniform in size and color and shape. But stones come in all different sizes, all different shapes, all different colors, all different densities. And I think it's powerfully important to consider that the church is being built of spiritual stones, 
because the church is the place where God invites people of all different shapes, all different colors, all different backgrounds, people who have been through some stuff, people who were raised in the church to all come together and begin to build something. When I haul one stone out of the river and I put it on the beach, it's just a rock on a beach. But when we all begin to bring our stones collectively, the stories and the testimonies and the things that God has done and the gifts that he's invested and we all begin to pile them together, what was just a stone on a beach begins to become a monument to God. It's the church of Jesus Christ, built of living stones. Would you stand to your feet today? Stand to your feet. And I want you, as you're standing, would you just right now begin to ask the Lord, say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Lord, what are you speaking to me? What what are you calling me to leave behind? What are you calling me to, to leave behind in a way that it's just washed completely by the blood of Jesus? I'm cleansed and I leave it behind not to carry it forward anymore. What's the thing you're calling me to take forward, to to, to have as a testimony and a monument to your faithfulness in my life so that even future generations will look and see and know that you are God, you are faithful, you are good. Just ask him and just take a moment to listen. Take a moment to allow the Lord to bring faith and grace to empower you to not just be a hearer of what he speaks to you, but to begin to go and be a doer of it. Thank you, Lord. Man, you've been so faithful. I said it in the video, it bears repeating, don't allow the enemy to overemphasize or exaggerate the struggles or the challenges that you're going through. Don't forget, this, that video and this document only happened because we were intentional to sit down as a staff. There's been a lot of challenges, but when we began to sit down and just say, man, remember when God did that? Remember when those 30 kids gave their life to Jesus Christ at Vacation Bible School? Remember when all those people came to that thing? Remember when people responded to Christ? Remember when uh, we we began to just see in the midst of all the things that the enemy would like for us to get caught up in and focusing on the negative, the, the division, all the stuff, when we began to just take a moment and remind ourselves about how good and how faithful God had been, it was amazing to see the hand of God upon us individually and corporately, and I bet the same would be true for you. Would you just take a moment and say, Lord, would you just show me? Would you remind me? I'm just telling you, that very place, the place where the enemy said you weren't going to make it, you're still standing. You're still here. You're still breathing. You're still moving. Don't get stuck in the chapter that you're going through right now. The place today where it looks like a roaring river, I'm telling you, if you'll turn to God and follow his presence, you could look up and be on dry land. Lord, I just pray that you would bring that faith. I pray, Lord, that you would bring faith for people to bring their testimony, their story, their, their, their stone to this monument that you're building that in this place is known as Rev City Church. And I'm just telling you, the enemy is a liar. He's a liar. And if he's convinced you that you're insignificant, that you're not important, that you're not a part of the plan or the purposes of God, or specifically this very church, I'm telling you that we're better together. There's a story, there's a perspective, there's a gift, there's a calling, there's something that you have. in the thing that God is building here, building his church, building this church, there's a spot in the wall, there's a hole in the building that's shaped exactly like you. And God's calling you. Come on, next year when we make this video, would you be a part of everything that God does in this next year? Would you say yes to God? Would you prioritize him? Would you pursue his purposes? Would you begin to give your life away? Yeah, 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 you might be a young believer or new to God. I'm just telling you, just start to show up and just say, man, how can I begin to tell people and how can I begin to help people to discover what I have discovered, a a life of forgiveness and, and hope and freedom and faith in Jesus Christ? Just ask him, come on, listen and respond in your spirit. Commit yourself, resolve yourself. Ask him and thank him for his grace to go live it out. You don't have to do it in your own strength. The Holy Spirit will empower you. And then I want to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes. I want to give everyone here an opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ or to rededicate or recommit yourself to living for him. People in this room, people joining us online, maybe you once knew God, loved God, served God, grew up in the church, but you've drifted from God. And you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. Or maybe you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And today is your day to, for the first time, receive what the Bible describes as the free gift of salvation that you can't earn, you can't deserve. And you might say, but Pastor T, you don't know the weight of my sin and guilt and shame and the condemnation the enemy is using. That's the very reason, that's the heart and the spirit of the gospel. Jesus said, I came for those who are sick. I came for those who needed a savior. Listen, if that's you, a prodigal son or daughter or anywhere in between, 
Right now is your moment. Would you lift your hand high towards heaven? That's all we're gonna ask you to do. Just lift your hand. Just a, a simple but powerful outward sign of an inward work that God's doing in your heart right now by his spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these precious young men. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness, the healing. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the newness of life that you're delivering through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the risen life of Jesus Christ. If you, if you raised your hand, you can lower it. And here's what we're gonna do with the people in this room who, who responded and with the people online. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. And we do it every week for two reasons. One is to quickly come alongside you and just encourage you, say, we're, we're here for you. We wanna stand with you. We wanna encourage you forward in your new or fresh faith in Jesus Christ. And the second reason we do it, you know it's coming every week, is because it reminds us that even as we're growing, even as we're maturing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. Everything God could ever do or build, it's all built on unmerited grace. Come on, many, many amazing people came home to Jesus today. Let's pray this prayer with them. Come on, pray with fresh fervency today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay. To make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loudly, I will never be the same. I will never be the same. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus and, and for all those precious people who came home to him today. Hey, come on, let's worship the Lord one more time. Let's worship him one more time. Then Pastor Micah will come and dismiss us today. Come on.